Okay, now we come to the last Aliyah of the Parsha, the seventh Aliyah of the Parsha. So Yosef settles his father and his brothers in the land of Goshen, far away from everyone else, as Pharaoh had told him. And uh, Yosef gives food to his fathers and to his brothers and to the entire house of his family. Lechem What does bread according to the children mean? Bread according to the children means that children waste a lot more food than adults do. I give you, you give an adult, you give Robert food, there's not going to be any empty food on that plate, right? He'll eat it all up. Not on Robert's plate anyway. He'll eat it all. But you give children food, what happens? They spill, they make a mess, they don't like the food, they don't eat it. So when he gave bread to, for the family, Yosef was so loving and so sensitive to others, he didn't just say, okay, each person needs one, uh, two pieces of bread, I don't know, eight ounces of meat or whatever the calculation is. Yosef said, a child will waste food and need more food than adults. So therefore he gave every single person exactly as much food, even for the waste that they would do, he gave food for that too. Then the Torah tells us back to the story of the famine, that there was no bread in the entire land. The famine had become very, very intense, and the whole Egypt came running to, ya- to Yosef land because of the famine. Now, what did Yosef do? The few things here, some of the verses, some that are between the lines, the, tell, the commentaries tell us, Yosef was very smart, very shrewd. Yosef did not open up the storage houses to give food to people until everyone was out of food. He created a panic. When there's a panic, like when they're living in inflation, right? When there's inflation, everyone gets to raise prices. It like, becomes this like, whole like frenzy. There's no food. So when there's a shortage of supply and the demand goes up, prices go up, people become more desperate. So Yosef had food available. Yosef does not open up the food until it says that the entire land had no food. The whole land. Only after all the private supply had been sold out. And now everyone became panicked. Never became desperate. And the stores, the shelves are empty. There's no uh, ships waiting on the ports in California. There's nothing there. Nothing is coming. And now there's a panic in the land. Everyone, there's a, there's a famine. So everyone comes to Yosef running for money. So Yosef starts by only selling food for cash. For cash. So here again, he's very smart. So he starts to buy up all the money. What happens is if you think about anything, so I'll buy with this, I'll buy with that, you know, there's still an economy. Until Yosef collects all the money, all the cash of the land, the gold, so he collects it all. And, and Yosef is very, very honest. Yosef takes nothing for himself. So everything Yosef has, he gives to the house of Pharaoh. He does not take even a penny for himself. And now the next verse tells us, Now all the wealth of Egypt had been collected, all the money, all the cash, the coins, the silver, etc., from the land of Egypt, and from the land of Canaan, and from all the neighboring Egypt, uh, land. So now, All of the Egyptians come to Yosef. Because again, this, he's created this panic where people are paying whatever they have to buy grain. So now no one has money left. And they come to say, Give us bread. If not, we will die. Because all of the money has run out. He did it in a way where he didn't, he, he deliberately held back how he would allow people to pay. You had to buy with cash. So people were selling things for cash. So the value of the money went up crazy and he got it all. So now Yosef said, okay, if you have no cash, give me your cattle. And that year, this is the next, this is the next year now, in the second year, they, uh, they bring to Yosef all of their cattle. So now Yosef collects all the cattle in the entire land of Egypt, all the sheep and the cows and the donkeys. And everything. They all bring everything to him. 
and they give the horses and their sheep and their cattle and the goats and the donkeys, everything. And again, he provided food for everyone during that year and he regulated his food supply. There should be enough. That year comes to an end. And again, when there's a famine, there's a panic, you can ask for anything and people will give it to you, right? Because there's it's desperation. So that year comes to an end. It's the next year. So now going into the third year and they say, we have nothing left to receive from our, to give to our master. We have no money. We have no cattle. We have no nothing. All we have is the land upon which we live and our bodies. Why should we perish before our very eyes, both we by starvation and our land by becoming barren? So we will give you our land and we will give you ourselves as slaves in exchange for the bread and we and our land together will be servants to Pharaoh. You hear, it's an amazing thing how Yosef created this panic. Because again, if I think about it, you know, you think about logically when you have food, why would you offer your land and yourself as a slave? Offer your land, but maintain your freedom. But there was in such a state of panic that Yosef created through regulating how he would provide food that there came this panic and said, we'll give you our land and ourselves in order to get from you seed in order that we should be able to plant in the land. Now, this is only going into the third year now. But the blessing had come true. The denial was starting to rise. And they realized, besides, so we don't have food ourselves to eat. But besides for food for us to eat, we need seed to put into the land, to make the seed of the land grow. And there's a miracle now that Yosef's father came. Everyone besides for Pharaoh realized that it was in the merit of Yaakov's father, of Yosef's father, Yaakov. So he said, give us food that we won't die and we will be servants to you. Give us seed to put into the land and our land will belong to you. So in that year, Yosef acquires all the land of Egypt. Any land is going to be planted, which is basically everything, becomes his in order to give, him, to give seed for the land to grow. So he buys all of the land in the entire Egypt because the famine had become extremely intense upon them. They were in such a state of fear of the famine and the entire land becomes the property of Pharaoh. What does Yosef do? He moves people around from city to city. Sancheira will do the same thing many, many years later. Basically, he takes everyone in this city. You live in Coral Springs, they're going to move you to uh, Tampa. You live in Tampa, they're going to move you to Orlando. You live in Orlando, they're going to move you to Coral Springs. But what does this do? It creates a feeling of dependency on Pharaoh because now the land, if you're still living on land that was your land for many, many years, so you may begin to, in a few years from now, feel the desire to rebel against Pharaoh and say, I want my land back. But if you move the way to a new land that's not even your land, you don't have the same emotional attachment, you become much more dependent and recognize that this land was given to me by Pharaoh. It wasn't my land ever. So everyone that said, I'll be willing to work the land for Pharaoh, says, it's my land, Joseph says. I'm putting someone else in charge of this land to grow this land because it belongs to me. You are my slave. You're going to go take care of my land somewhere else. So people were moved around so no one knew their neighbors to prevent any rebellion against Pharaoh. But there's another reason also. Besides for being very smart to move people around to create this dependency upon the government and to make them depend on Pharaoh, you know what else? It hid the shame of the brothers of Yosef. Because now when people saw this new family move to town, no one said, oh, you're the newcomers. You came because there's a famine. Now, no one lived in their own place. Everyone was in a new location. So therefore, when the brothers, the whole family of Yaakov moves to Egypt, they're like camouflaged with everyone else being moved, so no one notices. So all the land belongs to Egypt, except for the land of the priests. Since there was a decree from Pharaoh that, that the, the government would provide food for the priests, therefore, during all of these years of the famine, they didn't have to come and sell the land and all that, 
because they lived on Pharaoh. So they were got their already their already preordained amount of food. They lived off the allotment that Pharaoh gave them, and they did not have to sell their land. Yosef says to the nation, and by the way, this is also when Yosef makes them all have a circumcision. And they're all panicking, why are we being circumcised? But now you belong to me, Yosef says. You have to be circumcised. That's when Pharaoh says, do whatever Yosef says. I don't want to, you know, he can, he can punish us, turn us into frogs. He made all the grain in Egypt. We already discussed this last week. He made all the grain in Egypt. He made, God made, but I'm saying they thought it was Yosef's magical powers. They made it all rot, disappear. Never since all the grain disappeared, so do whatever Yosef says with the grain. He won't do anything to us. So that year, he may give them all land, different land. He gave them all seed. He said, here's going to be the deal. You're going to get four-fifths of the land will be yours. And one-fifth, 20%, is for Pharaoh. Now, a lot of scholars discuss this because when you go into the idea of taxation, how a government should tax the people, here you see in the Torah the idea of a flat tax, a flat 20% tax. I'm not saying it's a good number or bad number. I'm not giving a political, uh, how taxes should be today. But in the Torah, if you, the way Yosef set up the system was a flat tax. There was no like, you know, different levels of different you know, income brackets and et cetera. A flat tax, whatever the land brings in, you keep 80%, 20% goes to Pharaoh. And they say to Pharaoh, they say to Yosef, you have given us, you have saved us, you have given us life. We hope to find favor in your eyes and we will be slaves to Pharaoh. He put upon them this tax. And then the uh, I'll just end up with this last very beautiful thought. And the Jewish people, they dwelled in the land of Goshen, and they took a residence of it, and there they were fruitful, and they increased greatly. They were fruitful and increased greatly, means not only financially, but children. children. The Jewish people began to grow and have lots and lots and lots of children. But there's a beautiful thought from the Rebbe. What does it mean, v'yei to uches is to grab something, to grasp something. So means that they took possession of the land. They took ownership of the land and Goshen became their land and they settled the land. But it could also mean that the land took possession of them. could mean that, the, that they were possessed in the land. This is the dichotomy of exile. When the Jew goes into Gaza, the Jew goes into Goshen, the land of Egypt, on one hand, you need to take control over the land. We're sent into exile to transform the exile, to conquer the world and to make it into a home for God. At the same time, the world, the land, grabs us. <laughs> you understand? When you get involved in transforming the land, the land begins to take control over you and you become, you become grasped and encompassed by the land. And so this is a challenge for the Jewish people. You see right here in the very, very first uh, exile of the Jewish people that they had to grab in the land and to make sure that they would transform the land to be fruitful in it not the other way around. When they grabbed the land, they were successful and they had lots of blessings. Um, thank God. Okay, that's the story. Any questions? Yeah. Two questions. I'm not doubting that Yaakov would say the Shema, you know, at that point. But how does, how does Rashi, if he's Rashi or whoever, how do we know that you really, you know, like... How do we know? That's the, that's the tradition. That's where the story was told out for generations, you know. There were, there were a lot of people around when Yaakov and Yosemite. It wasn't a secret what happened. The whole family was there. So in the Torah, you have the oral, you have the oral, the, the written Torah, the verse, and then you have the traditions, the Masorah, the Midrash, and all that, which is direct father to son, father to son, teacher to student. So we have it. 
It's like if I would show you a picture album of a, you went on vacation to, I don't know, to the Caribbean, right? You went on the cruise. And then you have a picture album. Universe, uh, 19, November 1990, I don't know. And then you tell your son, on this cruise, I got sick, and then this happened, and then that's where I met uh, her, and that's when I did this, and that's when I bought that uh, jewelry that I have, etc. Don't write it all down in the photo album. When you're showing your picture to your kid, you tell them, that's where I did this, and that's where, you know. And then the other thing that you said, I know it's not a little bit, but is the Torah maybe telling us that the way to go is flat tax? Like in 2012, that was a big controversy in America. Well, flat tax. So I, I can't tell you that the Torah is saying, this is what you should do today in America. You know what I'm saying? Yosef was obviously a very, very smart man. And Yosef had a lot of divine wisdom in the way he did things. So if you were looking for a biblical model on how a government should tax the people, the, the, the model over here is a flat tax of 20%. And it was successful. Yosef was successful. Yosef, yes, it was successful. Well, and, yeah, and it was a very, very successful nation. And it also allowed for people to feel there has to be, a, you know, 80% has to go to you. At the end of the day, when you work, you have to be able to take the majority of your work home for yourself. You can't be a, you have taxes today that could be some places, I don't know numbers, very, very high, more than 50% of the, you know. But they didn't, they didn't have all, uh, CPAs and tax loopholes back then. It was flat, correct. <laughs> it was a flat tax, meaning it, part of the problem is you have, it's whatever you, you bring in, 20% goes, and it's whatever you bring in. So if you bring in, uh, it's not money, it's grain, but let's say you're bringing $100, you bring 10%, 20% tax. Bring in 10 million, same 20% tax. So everyone pays, you know, what's considered a fair share. Everyone pays a tax. Everyone pays for that. And that's a. Uh... Because of 